11.46, Joe Rico and Alex Ramirez back at the final word. What an amazing program so far, and it is about to get quite a lot better as we have two of our favorite people on, Alex, and they both, you know, Justin Adams, CBS4, he was kind of the king of the CBS4 crew for quite some time, but a couple years back, about a year and a half ago, we were lucky enough to have Romy Bean come on and join us, and she just crushed it like she does everything. And then just about three months ago, we finally got our first chance after a year and a half to talk to Michael Spencer. And so now it's kind of like a this little Royal rumble, you know, of who's the best of the CBS four crew. And we can't pick a winner. So we decided to have both Michael and Romy join us during this segment, because we love you guys and you guys are just killing it. Both of you. Um, I'm going to start with, uh, my bringing in my big left tackle, Romy Bean, who is a, I mean, uh, Alex Ramirez, Romy, who is a huge fan of yours. And by the way, you can follow Romy Bean on Twitter at Romy underscore Bean. And uh, Alex, you can get Michael on Twitter. Yeah, uh, Michael CBS4 uh, Twitter. Yeah, it's awesome. Uh, first of all, good morning to both of you guys. And uh, Romy, your coverage in Minnesota was just off the charts. I mean, you really not not only from a reporting standpoint because we watch you at uh, you know at five and ten o'clock at night and during your your reports, but your social media coverage, giving us the access to be behind the scenes, has been really uh you know it gives the listener and the fans uh, a chance to really kind of understand what you know you what you do as a professional. But man, congratulations on a successful week. The Broncos won thirty-three to six. Your overall thoughts on the week in Minnesota? Yeah, well, first of all, thanks for for the nice, kind words, guys. You know, you're always just trying to trying to do your best. Uh, so I, I appreciate that so much. I got to go back to the very beginning too. Uh, Michael is the king of CBS. I'm, I'm going <laughs> to give it. Got, Justin and I don't hold a candle to Michael. So Michael's the man, uh, first and foremost. But. On to the Broncos game. I, I mean, guys, it was, I think, fantastic. I think the Broncos couldn't have asked for a better day. You know, you do take it all with a grain of salt because Minnesota did sit 30 players, so uh, that's their starters and then some. But nonetheless, to see the offense under both Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater to be efficient, to be effective, to score points, to not punt the ball once uh, until the fourth quarter, um, <laughs> Right, it's all, all these things we're talking about an offense that has been sputtering the last couple of years. So to see that in a preseason game, regardless of who they're playing, is just such a promising way to start things off. A great way to give a lot of these young guys confidence. Great way to give you know even Drew and Teddy confidence. And then uh, I feel like you go to the the young draft picks, Javante Williams, Pat Sertan. I mean, everything really was exactly what you could have hoped for in a first preseason game. And Again, yes, it was preseason. Yes, they weren't going against the starters. But nonetheless, just a fantastic performance. And for guys that weren't going against the starters, well, they dominated how you should when you're going against the second unit. So just so much uh, positive, really, to take from it. Well, and let's bring on Michael Spencer. Now you can follow him on Twitter, at MichaelCBS4. And, Michael, thank you for joining us this morning. And let's flip over and focus a little more on the defensive side of the ball. And, by the way, just my own sideline, Vaughn Miller, Cortland Sutton, Bradley Chubb. The Broncos had several of their own starters out of the game as well. So I do think that there was maybe not quite as big of an advantage as maybe people thought because Denver didn't play its starters the entire game. I will say this. 
this. Both the quarterbacks look good, but I think the most impressive guy on the field and at, at, in practice and back me up this week was was PS2, Patrick Sertain. And I think, Michael, the Broncos took a little flack for not selecting Justin Fields. But, boy, Patrick Sertain has done nothing in my eyes to, to make us wonder why he was the ninth overall selection. Can you talk to me about what you thought of the Broncos' defense? Because I thought they were outstanding, and, and especially PS2. Yeah, guys, obviously, thanks for, for having me on, and uh, I appreciate getting the opportunity to follow in the footsteps of Justin and Romy here. Um, <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, I think you're right. Like, how awesome is that, too, for Pat Sertan II to have that type of performance because he is always going to be put up against Justin Fields and the guy that Broncos country is going to point to, like, hey, we could have had that guy. The only thing Pat Sertan II has done to draw that comparison is not be a quarterback, right? And you can't fault him for that. So for him to come out and to obviously have a pick six in his first preseason game, I thought was really great. I thought it was kind of validating for the Broncos to see him have that type of performance. And that was only a sampling of what he can do and of what that defense can do. And, yes, I know it was against the second and third string quarterbacks from Minnesota. But I think that for him to constantly be hearing, like he hears all that, right? There's no way that he doesn't. He knows what Broncos country and what people around the NFL are saying about him and and what he could have been and what that ninth pick could have been rather than a cornerback. And so for him to have that type of performance, I think that along with what Romy said about the offense, it's got to be a really nice boost to their ego and a really nice boost to their confidence, um, especially for Pat Sertan the second to have that type of performance in this first preseason game. All right, so guys, I mean, I know how desperate we are for the Broncos to be good. You know, let's 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 pump the brakes a little bit, can we? I mean, I'll start with you, Michael. I mean, are we looking through this? Through? I mean, you guys are not a, a team-sponsored uh, media that has to say the right things. You guys are very critiqued. You guys are very, uh, you know, dialed in. Objective. You get a great pulse on on the program, on, on, on the Broncos. Uh, Michael, are we looking too much into this? Uh, I'll start with you. Are we looking too much into this first victory as like, man, we're back. The Broncos are going to the playoffs. I, I saw tweets going out. We're going to the Super Bowl. I mean, seriously, man. Let's <laughs> seriously help me out. Help me. Help me help these fans and listeners get off the ledge a little bit. Yeah, I hope those tweets were tongue in cheek because I do think <laughs> it is way too early to be having that kind of talk. Let's start with maybe a winning season and maybe a playoff first. First. But I do think that after four years of losing seasons and five years without the playoffs, this fan base is really hungry for something positive. It finally felt like there was something positive to take away from that game in Minnesota. Guys, I wasn't expecting a whole lot. Um, and so for, for them to come out and for Drew Locke to lead two touchdown drives, for Teddy Bridgewater to lead a touchdown drive, you just got the feeling like, oh, my goodness, finally something positive. We're not going to be sitting here banging our heads against the wall like what has gone wrong after the first preseason game, right? That would have been worst-case scenario. So I do think it's a little too early to start making reservations uh, for February, uh, but I do think that there are obviously some, some really nice positives that you can take away, starting with the running game. And I think Rich Fangio talked about that uh, in his post-game press conference. The fact that they ran the football early and often and effectively, that to me was like, oh, my goodness, thank goodness. Hopefully that's a sign of things to come once the regular season begins September 12th against the Giants. Romy, your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, kind of going off that, the run game was the first thing that I was going to talk about. I mean, there was, you even saw Minnesota giving, paying respect to Javante Williams, and that's one reason why Drew Locke was so effective in the play action. That big bomb to K.J. Hamler, they were giving respect to, to the run game. And so 
they were able to effectively, you know, m- make a great a great playoff of that. So I think that's huge because that has been has been lacking, you know, for the past couple of years. So to have that, to know that if a defense has to re- respect the run game, that helps the quarterback, right? The offensive line showing. I mean, there was times where not, Drew not working with the full starting line had all the time in the world, right? So all of these pieces that will allow whichever quarterback is in there to be successful. And I think that's what's really promising, is that this defense is built to carry the team. The run game looks better than it has in years. The O-line is strong. We talk about this receiving core ad nauseum about how how great they can be. So there are all the pieces around whichever quarterback uh, gets the job, and I think that makes for a winning recipe. That makes for a team that, that can do well. And I mean, look, I agree. I think people were joking. I hope they were joking about, uh, you know, going to the Super Bowl. Because here's the thing. You're still in the division with the Chiefs. Justin Herbert's in his second year. Like, if we really start looking at it, it's not all of a sudden going to be easy going. It's going to be challenging. But it feels like when you look at this Broncos team that, oh, well, this looks like guys that can compete. And at this point, kind of like Michael was saying, that's all the fans want. They just want to be able to compete. They want to know that we go in on a Sunday and that there's a chance to win. And it feels like this year that does seem like that that's a possibility, right? Does that mean that they're going to go to the Super Bowl? I don't think so. But does that mean that maybe they can end the playoff drought? Well, I think if everyone stays healthy and, and this defense can play the way we think that they're going to play and all the pieces on offense can support a one or the other quarterback, I think, yeah, they might be able to make the crack that this year. And, and that's just something that's realistically – hasn't even really been a possibility the past couple of years. So so there is just kind of some light at the end of the tunnel, it kind of feels like, finally. How far we'll go? Well, look, there's a, <laughs> the, the boys got to do that for themselves. We can't really tell, and you can't judge that off a preseason game. Absolutely not, right? Well, but, there's a couple hey, things you know, there. A couple small observations, and then we have our last one for you guys. Um, the first thing is you can definitely tell about what kind of depth your roster has during any kind of contest, and I think that's the separation between training camp practices and a real game is it's not the first-teamers that I'm looking at that give me hope. It's that I saw a lot of guys, I think this is a much more talented roster, uh, if you guys you know mind me saying, than we've had here in the last four or five years. The wide receiver group, although ranked 22nd by NFL Network, I mean, you have an abundance. You have a Sutton. You have Jerry Judy. You have K.J. Hamler. You have Noah Fant. The passing game is going to be better. You have Javante Williams now backing up Melvin Gordon. You know, on paper, they're is he the like, backup, Joe. Yeah, yeah. Javante Williams may not be. I mean, I don't know. I mean, it's one and one a as far as I'm he, concerned. He but then you also on the defensive side of the ball, you know, you have a cornerback room. They were taking corners off the street last year in Week 15. You have four solid guys, three that could be considered number one. In Sertain, Fuller, and Darby. Maybe Darby's a 1A, but you have a much better football team, I think, this year. I think my biggest question mark is one, the quarterback, but 1A has got to be Coach Vic Fangio. Maybe in uh, maybe a one-minute answer each. Where do you see Coach Vic Fangio? I mean, what's what's the win total to keep his job? And, and I'll start with Michael Spencer. I think if he gets to eight or nine, I think he's going to be good. I think depending upon how the season starts is going to be really important. Right? How does he go? How does he fare in September? Because in my mind, you've got three winnable games in September. I don't think it's unrealistic for us to be talking about a Broncos team that's starting three and zero. And if that is the case, then I think that sets him up to have a really successful season. So, you know, when I look at this, I think I think eight wins, nine wins is probably about realistic for this Broncos team. 
Anything else I think is probably overachieving at this point, given the quarterback play. And the thing that I'm looking for, guys, we talk about the, the good you know, play yesterday and that win over Minnesota. Can they build on that? So many times we've talked about how this team took one step forward, two steps back. I want to see them build on what they did even next week in Seattle, and that'll give me uh, a really good feeling heading into the regular season opener against the Giants. Rami? Yeah, I mean, what Michael said about eight or nine wins, I think that's, that's the truth. That's realistic. Um, and, and anything, as he said, repeating, that is overachieving. But, yeah, I think Big Fangio has to get to at least the 500 mark. And, and I think that, you know, it's almost more Pat Shermer's butt feels a little more on the line than Vic Fangio's in a way because what's going to happen, you know, can we get something out of either Drew or Teddy and make this offense score more than – 20 points a game, actually get to 33 points a couple times in the regular season. How about that, right? Can he make success? Because so far, since Shermer's been here, he hasn't had much success either. So I think it's not just Vic Fangio. I feel like Pat Shermer is on the line a lot as well. And I think that the truth is, I think if this defense is a top-five defense, if it can be as successful as we think it can be, I think that can help Vic Fangio kind of keep his job as well. Because I look at it as George Payton is kind of here this year. He is He's looking at what he inherited. He's checking everything out, right? And if Vic Fangio can get this team to at least 500, I think for George Payton that's probably enough to keep him for another year and, and see where he can go from there. Um, so I think that 500 mark is kind of the big point for Vic Fangio. And also to to see just down the stretch that that September is, is going to be huge and to see though if this team improves down the stretch we've kind of kind of seen that up and down and so to see how they do in those November December games when it really matters if Vic, Vic Fangio can get this team through those games and also through those past to win those small games those one score games because that's also where he struggled so I think there's like several marks that he has to hit if he can win those one score games, something he struggled with i think that's a, a notch in his book if he can get eight wins i think that's a notch in his book so i think there's a couple of different categories that will help big fangio either keep or lose his job all right last one for me uh you guys are all at putt putt golf the cbs for the sports team who, who who's the best i would have to go eric christensen probably okay our, our executive producer i know you guys have had on uh, Eric's a huge, huge golf pro, um, so I'm, I'm going to lean to Eric on it's that. It's putt putt, Michael. Isn't Romy, it? Hey, like Romy, Romy, I, I, I mean, Romy is an athletic. She's a former cheerleader. I mean, she, she's got the goods too. Yeah, I have zero depth perception, so I'm in love. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. We'd love to have you. We we always get a real, real big pleasure at having both of you on. And you guys do such a great job. You know, I'm just like everyone else. I'm watching you guys. And, you know, I'm just thinking, wow, you know, th- this is the kind of coverage that you don't get just from any of the other stations. I, I really love News 4. And I think both of you are a huge part of the reason why I tremendous, watch. So tremendous, tremendous. Keep up the great work, journalism. both of you, please. Absolutely. Thanks, guys. We guys, appreciate thank you all so the much. compliments. And thanks so much for having us on. No problem. That's Sunday. Romy Bean and Michael Spencer. You can catch them on CBS4. They're Amazing. All, they're all over the place. And, and if you haven't followed Romy Bean on, on social media, Joey, she gives you the inside back story. Right. What, you know, kind of like what we do a little bit with uh, what, what we do, but hers is like on the field, in their faces, at the press conferences, right in their, in their face. But yeah, good stuff, Joe. Great, great round table. Hey, awesome stuff. And you want to stick around because... 
It's always he, he's always considered the star of our show most of the time, you know. And today we just have him, you know, kind of lulling in the background. But let me tell you, Dr. Eric Nakin threw down some information in front of me that I consider life changing stuff. You need to stick around. Coming up next, Dr. Eric Nakin from the R2 Medical Clinic. He joins the final word next when you return to on 981 FM. My life sports. Miss Pearl.